have just a couple of weeks left in this series, and it seems like uh, maybe if we've been narrowing things down to the essentials, it would have been shorter, right? Now, maybe you're, maybe you're one of the uh, people who have, who have thinking, who were thinking that uh, maybe we could have narrowed things down a little bit more and gone even more essential. Uh, or maybe you're thinking that we've left some things out along the way, either wherever you land or somewhere in the middle. I hope that you've learned or been reminded of uh, these things that are, that are so important to living out our lives for God. Uh, that if you need to catch up or watch again or listen to again any past messages, uh, those are on the uh, the church website, and uh, uh, you can access those there. Today, I, I want to highlight the fact that we have been given a mission from Jesus Himself. After his resurrection, Jesus uh, huddled up with his disciples and he gave them some last minute instructions. And, and uh, one of the places where we read about this is at the end of the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now that is uh, that is one of those passages that a lot of people know. Uh, probably, maybe I don't know. Looking across it, you've probably not the first time you've heard it. Uh, it even has a name: the Great Commission. This uh, this section of of uh, verses here in Matthew has been called the Great Commission. Now, just like a lot of things that we get familiar familiar with in church, and we categorize and we give religious titles to. A lot of times we end up not doing a whole lot with it. <laughs> and, and so some have called this, instead of the Great Commission, uh, it has turned into the Great Omission. And we've not necessarily fulfilled it. Usually, or the way that we describe what's being described here is, uh, is evangelism, right? Uh, when, when, I, when I say the word evangelism, uh, it might bring to mind things like street preachers or going door to door and bugging your neighbors or, or uh, leaving uh, church tracks at the table at a restaurant. I, I, we might think about memorizing a script or a routine in order to share the gospel with, with people. I heard the story of a of a barber who was uh, who was a Christian and he felt the urge to do more in this realm of of sharing his faith and and his church was offering uh, something they were calling a soul winners class and so he attended faithfully for weeks and he took extensive notes and he memorized the assigned Bible verses and he memorized the gospel presentation plan and he rehearsed all the material. And when he completed the class, he committed to sharing his faith in the real world, not just in class. And sure enough, then the next morning, uh, he's, he's uh, uh, there in his uh, barber shop and he prays before uh, unlocking the door. Dear Lord, help me to witness to the first man who comes through this door this morning. And just as he opens the door for and turns around the sign to say he's open, uh, in walks in the, uh, the, the biggest, meanest, foulest man the barber had ever seen. This, it appears, it sounded like, as this man described, uh, that he had recently lost a bet with some of his, uh, his biker buddies. And uh, he was there to get his head shaved. 
And the barber was intimidated to share his face with faith with a guy with a neck tattoo. And uh, so he stayed quiet and didn't share his faith. The, the rest of the day didn't go any better for the barber. And as 5 p.m. approached, he was ashamed that he had not shared his gospel presentation with a single person. And so he bowed and, and prayed and asked for forgiveness. And, and then he said, Lord, if you give me one more chance, I promise I'll speak up. And at that, the door opened and the little bell rang and in walked a very pleasant looking gentleman and all he wanted was a shave. And so the barber knew what he needed to do, but then all of a sudden, he was nervous. His hands shook a little bit as he draped the sheet over the man and as he put shaving cream on the man's face, he tried to remember this presentation and and how it started, this thing that he had memorized. And for the life of him, he he couldn't remember all of his copious notes and the things that he had, he had, uh, he had studied for so long and beads of sweat popped across, popped out across his forehead as, as he stropped that razor and, and, and at last he, 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 he nervously pointed the, the blade at the man in the chair and, and shaking, He said, are you prepared to die? (laughs) I think the guy probably prayed through right there. I think it was probably a pretty effective, effective thing. I I don't know, but evangelism, I don't know. Is that the way we should be sharing our faith? I mean, some people even ask, is it even right to evangelize, to convince people to, uh, to follow our own faith? Maybe we should just be... Minding our own business. Recently, a a Barna research study found that over 94% of practicing Christians in America believe that part of their faith means being a witness about Jesus. And they also believe that, that the best thing that could ever happen to someone would be for them to know Jesus. But over half of people studied under the age of 45 uh, aren't necessarily sure whether it's even right. To evangelize. 47% of them agree at least somewhat that it is wrong to share one's personal beliefs with someone of a different faith in hopes that they will one day share the same faith. If you couple those findings with the fact that only about 5% of Christians, uh, in, in, uh, as, as we take the, the studies and the surveys and things, uh, 5% of Christians uh, probably have the gift of evangelism. You know, you put all that together, maybe we're off the hook. Maybe we don't need to, don't need to mess with this. Maybe it's just kind of something from back there. Except, except there's this great commission thing, right? Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, Matthew 28. Uh, Jesus in Luke 10, uh, prayed for workers to go into the harvest fields of the world. Uh, in Matthew 5, he said that you and I are to be the salt and the light of the world, uh, bringing his flavor and his light into the world where we go. He said that the Holy Spirit uh, would, would empower us to be his witnesses in Acts 1.8. The Apostle Peter said that we all need to be ready to share the reason for the hope that we have. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 5 said that we are Jesus' ambassadors representing him to the world. Over and over and over again, we can't get away from the call, from the challenge, from the mission of the church to reach out to those who are far from God so that they can experience his love in their their lives. In a phrase, we live to love people to life. God wants to use you exactly how he's made you to bring people closer to him. It's your mission, should you choose to accept it.
But, but it has to be, right? It has to be different than memorizing a presentation or, or handing out some, some uh, tracks somewhere. I, how do we do this well? I, I love the work of, of Pastor Kevin Harney, uh, who, uh, who describes uh, the best evangelism as organic outreach. And maybe you've read one or more of these books. We've used them here in different uh, different places and, and uh, uh, different settings and, and studies and things. Organic outreach for ordinary people, organic outreach for churches, for families. Uh, if you haven't read one of these, I'd strongly encourage you to look it up. I'm sure you can get it in the digital version and you could probably have it downloaded within the next three minutes if you want to, if the Wi-Fi is working, right? So, uh, But uh, the great, great uh, resources and love for you to uh, to dig deep on this and, and uh, um, uh, today I'll just just uh, refer to it a little bit, but these are some great resources for you. Organic. I mean, that's a, that's a big buzzword today. Usually, uh, we're talking about food, right? When we talk about things, something being organic, we need to eat organic. I mean, it's the stuff that that hasn't been exposed to the unnatural elements and toxins and and different things. I mean, it's, it's healthier, right? Um, it's more expensive, right? I mean, uh, you'd think they're not adding things to it. It, it would be less expensive, right? But but it, it says, ends up being a lot more uh, organic. But the word organic just means that it's natural, right? So if we're using this term, uh, when we when it comes to reaching out to people who are far from God, we're simply saying that we need to do that naturally. The, the most effective way to reach anyone with the good news of God's love is when it naturally flows out of our lives. And it should naturally be flowing out of our lives if we love God with all of our heart and if we're, we're following him and doing what he wants us to do, naturally that will, that will spring out of our lives. I mean, we do this all the time with, in a lot of areas of life. Um, if you eat at a great restaurant, pretty soon, uh, it's gonna come up in conversation, right? I, I ate at this great place the other night. Or, or you, uh, you, you talk about the, the atmosphere and the service and what you ordered and what other people ordered and the great experience. You probably post about it. Um, we, in our family, we can't go anywhere without it being, uh, on Nick's, uh, Facebook and Instagram within a few minutes, right? Um, and so, uh, so, uh, Nick has become, uh, an evangelist for the Medina football games or for the restaurants that we go to or the places that we we've in a sense we 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 become an evangelist for these places that we like because we're sharing naturally it just comes up we hey I went to this great place oh it was good you should you should go sometime maybe even take somebody with you the next time or maybe you I don't know you get a good deal on a on a washer and dryer or or you find a dentist that can give shots that they don't hurt uh you find that guy let me know no I think I found that guy actually and I'll tell you more about him uh, uh if you want but uh, maybe you discover a counselor who who really listens and understands and you connect with and, and I mean you don't keep that stuff to yourself you you're naturally excited about it and so so it just comes up naturally in the the conversations and in in the relationships that you have uh, with the people that you're that you're close to that's organic outreach, naturally telling those around us what we're excited about. See, if, if the gospel really is good news, if we, have, if we have found the secret to eternal life, if we know what it means to enjoy a relationship with Jesus, if we've discovered a life of joy and peace in the midst of the chaos of this world, doesn't it make sense that we'd be sharing that with the people around us? Uh, God has given all of us a mission that's essential and it's not impossible. It's not an impossible uh, uh, mission. In fact, it should simply be a natural part of our lives as we follow him. And really, it all just boils down to, to love. Because God loved the world 
Uh, so much that he sent Jesus to die for our sins, to overcome death. He pr- has provided salvation and redemption, paving the way for our relationship uh, with, with God himself for all eternity. Romans 5, 8 says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Love is at the root of the entire gospel message. Without God's love, there, there wouldn't be a message. And because love is at the root of all, of it all, love has to be the root at, uh, at the root of our efforts to, uh, to, to fulfill God's mission through us. If it's true that you live to love people to life, then your life will be characterized by love. In a, in a few areas. And I think these are important as we think about this mission that God has given us. First of all, we need to love God. It starts there. We've got to have that relationship with him first. If you don't have a passionate love for God, you won't care about his mission to go and make disciples. But if you're living a life in love with Jesus, it's going to naturally spill over. Jesus said this is the most important thing to do as a follower of his. Matthew 22, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So if, if you're feeling like, oh, outreach, oh, pastor's talking about evangelism again. Oh, I guess I'll, you know, scroll, I'll do something. I, I don't, I don't really have it. If, if you're feeling like uh, you have a lack of, of uh, passion for outreach and evangelism, maybe this is the first place you need to evaluate in your life. Are, are you truly in love with Jesus? Maybe you've drifted away over time or or maybe uh, faith for you is just about uh, religious activity and it hasn't really been about a relationship with God. Religious activity doesn't really motivate us to reach out to other people. It's just something that we do. I mean, it's kind of an obligation. Uh, sometimes we kind of resent that. Oh, I got to go, got to go to church, right? You just think about how you talk about uh, some of that. Got to go read my Bible. Uh, no, you don't get to. You, you don't have to. You get to, right? An obligation is not a good motivator. <laughs> Love is an extremely positive motivator. This is just like when we find a product or service that we love. I mean, we share it. If we don't love it, we don't share it. Or maybe we give negative reviews, right? Maybe, maybe that's been you in the past, giving negative reviews about Christianity or the church. If, if you're not wildly in love with Jesus and your life with him, you probably won't be sharing that with anybody anytime soon. In Revelation 2, we find a letter that Jesus wrote to the, uh, the church in Ephesus. They were doing some, some good things, and, and Jesus highlighted those things. But then he said, I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. You, you won't be motivated to share your faith if your love for God has grown cold. So we have to get that right first. If, if that's you, cultivate your relationship with God. Before you step out in mission for him, we've got to have that relationship uh, up and running and, and uh, uh, hitting, on, hitting on all cylinders. Spend time with God. Pray, read the Bible, go to church, worship, talk to Christian friends, and get quiet with him. Think about uh, deeply about God's love for you. Make your spiritual life a priority. Let Jesus resuscitate your love, your heart for him. That's got to be first. If, it, it's not just uh, go do this and memorize this and say these words. It starts with a genuine, deep relationship with God. Love God. The next 
The next step, I think, is, is uh, maybe not what you're expecting, but that is to love the church. In order to have a, a mission for God out there somewhere with other people, we first have to love God with all of our hearts, and we have to love the church. Again, we're not talking about a building or an organization. We already talked about that in this series. The, the church isn't the building. The church is the people, right? It's, it's us, uh, and we need to love each other. And Jesus said that loving each other would help point people to him. John 13, 34 and 35, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. People will know and be drawn to Jesus if we love each other in the body of Christ in the church. And, it, and it's not just a little bit of love. Jesus describes what this love needs to be like. Jesus didn't say, love one another like you love your dog. Although some of you probably, I mean, that might be, might be a good place to start. I don't know. Or, or love one another like you love your mother-in-law. Not, not, it's not what he said. Love one another like you love hummus. No, it's not what he, it's, we're not talking, it's, it's a different kind of, he didn't tell us to just put up with one another or to not kill each other. Now we should put up with one, one another and we, we shouldn't kill each other. Those are, those are, those are true statements. But he told us to love one another, the church, the body of Christ, uh, the partners, our partners in faith. We need to love each other like he loves us. Our love for the church should mimic Jesus' love for us. Well, what does, what does that look like? Well, Paul described it in 1 Corinthians 13, and it seems pretty extreme. He says, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Writing about this verse, Tom Rayner says, the principles of these two verses alone are sufficient to cause a revival in most churches. We are not to love fellow church members because they are lovable. We are to love the unlovable as well. We are not to pray for and encourage our pastors just when they are doing things we like. We are to pray for and encourage them when they do things we don't like. Church membership is founded on authentic, biblical, unconditional love. If we're, if we're loving each other within the church, the body of Christ, like that, people will notice They'll see that there's something different about, about us, about the followers of Jesus. And, and, and there's something attractive about that. If, if you find that, that your love for, for God's people is waning, uh, there are a few things you can do. Not an exhaustive list, but maybe, maybe we could camp out on the first one. Pray more, criticize less. Uh, seek out people who, who, uh, uh, and who maybe you differ with and, uh, and work out those differences. Don't just ignore them and just let it float. Deal with those things. Focus on, on what you hold in common, on the essentials of the faith. I, I know a good sermon series to direct you to. Ask for forgiveness and grant forgiveness. We, we need to love each other like Jesus loves us. We have to get this right. Eternity is at stake for people who are far from God. They will be drawn to God when they see our love for each other. We need to love God. 
Before we ever try to reach out uh, to, uh, to, to anybody, we need to make sure that our, our love for God is, is, is deep and strong. We need to love each other because others are drawn to, uh, to God uh, because of our relationship with each other, because of the church. And then we need to love people, people who are far from God. I, now, I didn't say judge people. I didn't say make sure that people are living right. Dog on it. I didn't say... Look at the people around you and shake your head and wonder what this world is coming to. I didn't say alienate people by spouting off your amazing political opinions, no matter how right you might be. I didn't even say convert people. I said love people, especially people who are far from God. I think evangelism gets a bad reputation sometimes because people are treated like projects, right? Uh, uh, intended or not, if my primary motivation uh, to know you is so that you'll uh, acknowledge my faith or start believing in my faith, then th- there's something disingenuous. Right? Kind of like the uh, the car salesman kind of thing, right? I'm only uh, buddying up to you so that I can get something from you, so that you can buy what I'm selling, Right? I mean, that's uh, if we do that in the church, it's just kind of the worst pyramid scheme in the world, right? But, but if I'm building relationships with people based on love for them, the entire motivation has changed. And, and so as that relationship develops, if I love God with all my heart and I'm, and I'm loving out my relationship with, uh, living out my relationship of love with the people in the church, uh, and then I'm, de- I've developed a relationship with someone who's far from God, uh, it's gonna be natural that those, those, uh, relationships that are most important in my life are gonna, are gonna spring out. And, and, organic opportunities will arise where I can share my faith and my love for God. One of the questions that uh, we want you to be asking yourself uh, regularly is, am I close to someone far from God? Right? It's, uh, we've given out those cards. There's probably a couple more on the back table there, the uh, questions to live by. And the last one on that list is, am I close to someone far from God? Uh, and now, some of you might have tons of people in your life, in your sphere of influence, who are, who are far from God. Others of us might have to be a little more intentional to seek out those relationships. The point is that, that part of living life with God is letting his love bubble up organically in our relationships. So we need to have relationships with people who can benefit from that love for God and be drawn to him with people who need God's love. So maybe you're, you know, on fire for God and you're following him and pursuing him each day and, and your love for God is where it needs to be and your love for the church is, is great and you've got great, great relationships uh, with fellow believers but, but this whole love for people who are far from God, maybe you're lacking. What, what are some things we can, we can do? Well, the first thing I think is that we need to pray but not just pray for them. We need to pray for us. We need to pray that our heart will beat uh, for other people like God's heart does. That, that God will give us a heart like his that, that, that beats for, that feels for, that reaches out to lost and broken people. We can also pray specifically for, for one or two or five or however many people God lays on your heart, these specific people and, and these relationships. And God, how do you want me to, to, to dig into that relationship and, and how do you want to use me there? I think a great step is to study the life of Jesus and look at how he related to people who are far from him. It may be a little different than what you might think. He drew up alongside and built, uh, built real relationships. I, I think a big thing is just to notice people. 
to uh, to not just uh, smooth through life with uh, with all the relationships that uh, that I've got and uh, and and moving on and and uh, and not really noticing what's going on because I've got all my stuff going right. Notice and then connect with people. One thing. Uh, that I think is important here is that relationships are, are usually and should be uh, long-term. This, this mission that Jesus has given us is to make disciples, right? Uh, a disciple is a follower of Jesus. And, and so making a disciple is, a, is not just a simple little boom-boom transaction and we're done, but it's a long-term investment over time in, in relationship. It, it might mean that, that you don't ever uh, see the person make a decision to follow, but you've been part of the process that God is preparing their hearts to bring them closer to that time. But it, it's taken time, days, months, weeks, years, to get them down the road further. And then later on, maybe someone else comes into their life. And, but it's a long-term investment. It, it might mean that, that, that after that person does uh, commit themselves to following Jesus, it's not just, okay, done, moving on to somewhere else. But now I'm, I'm part of helping them to not just pray a prayer, but to, to live a life, right? To be a disciple, a follower of Jesus. And so that relationship continues and grows. The Great Commission starts with, uh, with that little word that I think, I think we maybe, I don't know, two extremes. We either overemphasize it or we gloss over it. It's the word go, right? And, and in overemphasizing it, maybe we say, oh, go. Well, that's for all those missionary types out there. Uh, and they're going to really go. They're going to like head to Africa or Vietnam or Russia or so they're going to go. They're going overseas. They're going to South America. They're, they're, they're going away from here, far away. And, uh, Jesus wants them to go and I'll pray for them. And that's great. And we do. We should, we should be supporting the missionaries who go far away. Uh, but in doing that, I think there's a, there, whether intentionally or not we we feel like we're off the hook because the missionaries are the ones going right or or the other side is we just kind of gloss over it go and make decide okay well you know whatever uh but uh so we're we're just going to plan a bunch of church stuff and and we hope that people show up to it We're, we're we'll make disciples of the people who end up inside our our church doors but i have to ask is it really going if we're just waiting for people to come I, I know, I mean, inviting people to things, I mean, we need to have things happening and all the, but there's, there's an essential element of going in order to bring people to, uh, to learn what it means to be a disciple. Somewhere along the way, I think churches have stopped going a lot of the time. What does, what does it mean to go? Maybe this is, maybe this is revealing how simple, uh, my mind works, but going means, first of all, not staying. I know, your minds are blown. Going means not staying. Churches tend to gather saints, and that's fine. But, but I'd much rather our church be a launching pad instead of just a gathering place, right? We, we don't want to just provide a place for Christians to huddle up 
but a place where you are equipped and resourced and then launched into the world to fulfill the mission, to love people to life that God has brought into your life. And you can do that a whole lot better out there in the world where you live organically, naturally, uh, whatever we're doing as we go from this place. It's not just a huddle up and gather kind of place. We're not just going to stay. Going means not staying. Going means launching. Going also means empathy. Put yourself in the shoes of the people that God brings into your life. Try to identify with them. Uh, ask him to help you see life through be- their perspective. Uh, uh, because I think if, if we're in the church very long, we start to have certain blinders on and ways of looking at the world and we can lack empathy at times. We need to see people the way Jesus sees them and draw up alongside them right where they are and help them as he guides, help them know what it means to love Jesus. Empathy. Going also means leaving what's comfortable. Ethan Hunt in the Mission Impossible movies didn't stay comfortable. He jumped out of planes. I mean, like Tom Cruise really jumped out of planes, right? Uh, he, he hung from ceilings upside down. And the sweat drop and the, is it gonna, and you're all, you're on the edge of your seat. And, um, I mean, he rode motorcycles with very high rates of speed. I mean, it was not a comfortable, peaceful existence to be Ethan Hunt in the Mission Impossible movies. He's probably not calling you, unless you want to, I guess. He's not, probably not calling you to ride a motorcycle at a high rate of speed. A couple of you, maybe. I, I, go ahead. Go for it. Don't invite me. Jesus is not calling us to be comfortable. He's calling us to go. And being on a mission doesn't mean that I'm going to stay where it's comfortable, but I'm going to go out where it's not comfortable. I'm going to go to the edge of that comfort and, and go beyond it and allow him to use me in the areas that, that, uh, that aren't necessarily the, the comfortable place to be. And then I think going also means choosing to make the effort. This is something that happens uh, when, when we make the effort. There's intention involved, right? I'm, I'm intending to do this. It's not just something that's just going to happen without me, without me putting in some effort. It happens as we're actively pursuing Jesus with all of our heart, soul, and mind. It happens as we're loving the people around us that God has, has, has put uh, in our path, both within the church and then those who aren't yet in the church. And in doing that, we're choosing to accept the mission that he's given us. As Elton Trueblood once wrote, evangelism is not a professional job for a few trained men, but is instead the unrelenting responsibility of every person who belongs to the company of Jesus. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to love God with all your heart. To love the church, the body of Christ, Jesus' body, and to love people who are far from God. How do we say that around here? We live to love people to life. It's essential to your faith. 